video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch. Hello, when you want my name is Justin LeClue, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. And today, as opposed to the last two weeks, is a normal week. Nothing too crazy, yeah, <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah, we, we've been gorging on a lot of, like, fancy box sets recently, but this week, you know, yeah, just coming to some single releases here and just there. Just bringing in the piles of money at Bay Street Video, those high-ticket items. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So this week in the cult section, we have Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Uh, I remember when this was announced, I'm like, ah, Shout Factory and Scream are really scraping the bottom of the barrel with this one. <laughs> and then I watched it, and I was like, oh, no, this is really good. <laughs> Had you seen this one when you were a kid? I remember, like, walking by the VHS box set all the time. Oh, okay, because I remember, yeah, you telling me you liked this. And I thought, I figured you'd seen it when you were a kid or something. Mm, I didn't like it when I was a kid, though. Okay. See, I never saw it. Yeah, I somehow missed this one. And I still, ha I meant to catch up with it before recording this. But it always looked like a lot of fun. And I just never got around to yeah, it. Yeah, it's based on a TV show that played on a cable channel, I think. Right. And while the TV show was like cable safe or, when I say cable, it makes it sound like HBO. I mean like NBC or something like that. The film is rated yeah. R. I'm shocked you didn't check it out because it has an amazing cast. Christian Slater, Julianne Moore. <laughs> Steve Buscemi, uh, the lead singer of the New York Dolls, plays a hitman that fights right. off against a cat, and James Remar in the last story. And it's just really slick. It doesn't feel like an imitation of Creepshow. That really helps. And yeah, it's just like really fun. Um, uh, what's uh, the singer of Blondie? What's her name? But Debbie Harry shows up Debbie as Harry? a witch that's ki uh, about to kill a oh, kid. Oh, that's great. Isn't Corey Feldman? No, in this too? I thought it was Corey Feldman. Uh, it's another famous it, yeah. kid that's the one that's about to be eaten. And like the wraparound is he tells her stories to distract her from putting him in the oven, which is why you hear the <laughs> stories. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. There's like a 90 minute documentary on this disc, and they put it over the commentary with the director and producer screenwriter George Romero. So yeah, it's a good package, especially uh, this holiday season. And by holiday, I mean spooky season. It's spooky season, which starts in September. <laughs> yep, it starts in September now. I mean, what else do you have September? Going to school? Nah, nothing. Labor Day? School. Yeah, it's fall. There's no festivals anymore. Who cares? Do you know the saying, like, never wear white after Labor Day? Why is that? And how long can you not wear white after Labor Day? Yeah, what's that about? Is it just that, like, white is only, like, summer attire, really? Spring, summer attire? And then you have to dress like a god. Do you really want to wear white? <laughs> during summer because like you're sweaty so the pits really exactly show. exactly right that's the thing like i my white t-shirts get destroyed so fast <laughs> i don't think i own any white t-shirts uh just it's not a color that i go to because i spill food on myself <laughs> all the time <laughs> So we also have another Universal Horror Collection. Yep. Oh, man. These, Are you ready These will for never this? stop, will they? <laughs> yeah. Is there a point when you stop selling them? Or is there like one or two dedicated people who keep buying them from well, your store? Honestly, I've been taking the numbers down gradually with each one they release. But you know what? We got like, I think, five or six copies of this when it first came out. We sold them out right on the first day. So I don't know. Are all these people... What? Why? I mean, this one has the Black Castle, Cult of the Cobra, the thing that wouldn't die in shadow of the cat i think i've heard of one of these movies like the, the funny thing is all the titles on the, these sets they always feel like mm -hmm. movies that you know or popular movies like they have really generic the horror black sounding Castle. titles <laughs> yeah right but then you look them up and like i don't know what this is so we also have um a new arrow release and this is a japanese film which they love to dip their toes in this is black test car and the black report uh, a biting satirical espionage, espionage thriller in the heart of the Japanese auto industry. Never heard about this one? <laughs> yeah, don't know much about this one. I know it's a cult title that has actually done well for us so far. We've been selling a bunch of copies. So I think people like this director a lot. Uh, Yasuzo Masamura. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Um... Not that I really know much about him or what else he's done. I mean, you kind of look up his filmography and yeah, he's made a lot of movies, but I don't really know about any of them. But I think he's got some sort of cult appeal with a certain crowd. So we also have Arrow releasing the comic, uh, not to be confused with the Carl Reiner one, which was released <laughs> in the 60s, 70s. Yeah, no, this like one that. is the one directed by, I have his name right here, Richard Driscoll, who is most famous for being involved with the El Dorado tax scam. Have you read about that it was a 
fake film or no they made the film it was like daryl hannah and stuff like that but it was mostly a way to funnel money and he's the one who directed it but this is an earlier one of his pictures from 1985 in a future police state a stand-up comic murders a competitor for a job then gets mixed up with a stripper <laughs> oh okay i guess okay. that's the synopsis <laughs> i guess it's like what king of comedy after king of I comedy guess. Or i didn't read many good reviews on this one it's pretty um re- received very middling yeah 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 there's barely like any sort of ratings or reviews for this i again it's like i love arrow's commitment to putting out this kind of stuff in like deluxe editions you know you get like american werewolf in london and the comic in the same kind of packaging sometimes you have to wonder like why this one yeah i don't I don't know. Do they have some sort of relationship with this director? Package you... deal that came, like a studio, and they have to release these movies? Yeah, we've had this movie sitting on the shelf forever, so here, you guys gotta release we it. We also have The House by the Cemetery, the Blue Underground release, and The New York Ripper. Didn't these just come out? Oh, wait, they didn't come out in 4K! Oh, yeah, Blue Underground is going hard into the 4Ks Milking right now. that teat. Like, oh, boy. I just bought New York Ripper. Like six months ago on their big Blu-ray special edition. Uh, we can't keep these on the shelves right now. These are flying out of here. What the hell's going here. on, I, I, man? I know. I keep going low because I'm like, nobody's going to want to buy this again. And especially since they just released, I mean, this is like the fourth blue, fourth or fifth Blu-ray release of these films. Uh, and like, they just the House by the Cemetery's a... not even good. It's not one of the I good know, ones. It's not. And they just had limited edition Blu-ray sets of these with like the CD, like three disc sets that were already like kind of the definitive version. But now I guess if you have an ultra HD player and you're holding off to get some like classic horror and ultra hd i mean here you go i don't understand but you know if people are still buying them i guess you got to keep them in stock are people buying the uh uh, jess franco film cecilia the one that i know as the sexy cover one oh yeah it's got a very sexy cover cecilia has always been a big seller for us on dvd and yeah Yeah, because of that sexy cover man (laughs) i know and it's flying off the shelf again we have so jess franco stuff you know We were talking about, like, Neurosis recently and some other stuff that doesn't sell as well. Cecilia, though, this one is a hot seller. But I think you're right. It's just the cover. And we also have The Dead Pit, which has, speaking of awesome covers, people remember the VHS days. Oh, yeah. It used to have a cover that used to hit it and, like, the eyes would light up of the zombie on the cover. Great poster art. Uh, great title. Not a very good movie from what I've heard. I haven't seen it. Mostly because people are like, eh, it's pretty boring. I actually watched this one this week. because uh, I... Oh, you needed to finish your Brett Leonard filmography, the director of Virtuosity and Lawnmower Man? Yep, that is exactly the reason <laughs> oh, I went oh, down this road. Who can forget Feeder as well? Feed, actually. Oh, Feed? Which okay. is actually an underrated little film, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not into it. I, you know, Feed is disgusting if people don't know what it is. It's, I think, a 2005 or six probably one of his last major films uh and it stars the lead actor from the hawaii 50 remake series as a guy who i think this was based on maybe a true story about a guy who force feeds women to death really gross grimy premise and there's a lot of grime in this one but I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty well done for, you know, what it what, was. What, the dead pit? A feed, sorry. I'm still talking okay, about Okay, no, no, no. Here. We're moving to the dead I'm pit. I'm expressing my love for feed here, all right? You got to save that for the special edition of the dead pit when it comes out. Oh, I mean, sorry, feed. For feed. Uh, <laughs> we can't keep it. So, yeah. The, Eventually, they're going to get to that, like, you know, that bottom of the barrel and they're scraping for those horror classics. When are we going to get that, like, wave of mid-2000s nostalgia? All those Dimension Extreme oh, titles. yeah, it's coming. I don't know, Show Factory, Arrow, somewhere. Once, uh broken's garbage <laughs> because uh didn't the hills run red is part of that wave you're and right, it just came out right. as scarred screen factory that was a, so it's gonna happen but yeah as back to the dead pit yeah this is brett leonard's first film who yeah as you said went on to do the lawnmower man and virtuosity which is a really great film too uh, supposedly he's a shit person i remember reading that in a bunch of interviews interesting yeah. yeah i actually don't know much like i don't even know what this guy looks like to be honest but i grew up loving his movies that he made in the 90s <laughs> I know, yeah. I did a weird, you know, Lawnmower Man was just a big deal. And Virtuosity were, you know, highlights for me as a kid. But this is his first film that he made in the late 80s. Uh, and like, yeah, you said it was a big kind of like VHS hit in the 80s, I guess. Um, yeah, it's okay. It's kind of like your standard zombie movie set in a hospital, basically about... It kind of reminds me of the uh, House on Haunted Hill remake a little bit, where it's like a mad doctor was doing experiments, he gets killed, and now he rises from the grave along with all, like, the zombie patients to, like, kill again. 
Um, and I'm not usually a zombie movie guy, but there's something that's kind of like fun and off kilter about this. There's a lot of like uh, really weird camera angles. I know you can see his style right away, though. He does like a lot of crazy zooms and weird angles. Yeah, and sh- leaden and kind of boring. You know what? I got to say, I got to give like a thumbs up for the gore in this, though. There's a lot of great gory kills. Um, the effects are pretty fun. Um the one thing that's kind of annoying is the lead character, this uh, who's like a woman who has amnesia, so she's been brought to this mental asylum, basically, where the action takes place. And she it's one of those characters where she sees everything that's happening, but nobody else can really see it yet until things go really crazy. And she keeps saying, like, oh, you're going to think I'm crazy, or no, I'm not crazy. And then she... Per- Promptly proceeds to like yell and scream and act like a total crazy person so that like nobody believes her or what's going on. So that was kind of uh, frustrating. But I don't know. As a whole, I kind of enjoyed this film. I wouldn't say it's like amazing, but it's like a decent little zombie movie. Did Show Factory release a special edition of Virtuosity or did someone put it out on Blu-ray recently? It's out on Blu-ray, but just from Paramount, like it's just a bare bones kind of edition. Virtuosity is a movie that I remember the best because there is a tanker and they're like gunfighting around it. I'm like, oh man, that tanker's going to explode. And then it doesn't and they go away and I was like, oh, okay. Then they go back to the tanker and I'm like, oh yeah, now it's going to (laughs) explode. Nope, no exploding tanker. I'm like, what the hell? Definitely not. Yeah, Virtuosity is a film that definitely doesn't hold up on rewatch. I remember watching it again in like my 20s at some point and being like, I love this movie as a kid. Not as good, but still, still kind of fun. Still one of the better ones in that like 90s, like computer thriller wave, you know? So we also have Forced Entry from 1976. Not to be confused with the hardcore pornography film that stars Harry Reid and was directed by Sean Costello. This one stars Tanya Roberts and Nancy Allen and is directed by Jim Sotos, the guy who made Sweet 16 and Hot Moves. You've probably seen the cover of Hot Moves. It's a big butt. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely have a DVD of this sitting, of that sitting at home in a pile somewhere that I've I never watched. <laughs> never really heard of this uh, slasher film, so I'm sure that means it's great. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, all the plot line it gives you on like IMDb is a serial rapist stalks and murders prostitutes. So See, when I that's looked at kind this, of all you need to know. I was sure this was the Sean Costello one because it's, a, it's about a serial rapist as well. Yeah, it like. sounds like the same movie. I mean, it also goes under the title. So it's been released under the title the last victim from uh, Dark Force, um, but I think it's more commonly known as Forced Entry. I'm not sure. It's it's hard to say. Mm. Um, again, though, this sold out right away. So, you know, that cover art of like a woman in a scantily clad I woman I wonder if people peril, were expecting you know. this to be Forced Entry, which actually came out in 1973. So uh, that's how you can tell the difference between both of them. We I also feel have... like regardless of what film you're looking for, you're probably going to get what you're looking for with <laughs> yeah, this release. We also have uh yeti giant of the 20th century did you get a chance to watch this one mark oh i did i did this this is some fun stuff right here (laughs) now this is a movie that was always available in really shitty copies so it's nice that a blu-ray company finally like found a print somewhere and did a scan of it because for people that don't know yeti giant of the 20th century is an italian king kong ripoff which is the shittiest looking king kong guy ever oh my god it's hilarious what's notable about it is it's set in toronto canada (laughs) yep yeah it's very canadian and there's a lot of toronto landmarks in this right like you get the cinesphere you get the cn tower i think nathan phillips square shows up at one point does he climb the Uh, cn tower is that why he's there you know what? I, the whole time I was watching this movie, I think on the cover of the DVD we have, it's like him and there's a CN Tower in the back. So I just assumed he climbed the CN Tower. But now I'm thinking back and I don't think we actually see him climb the CN Tower. We see it, we see it in it's the like, background It's like, why would you set lot. it in Toronto then? Because like, that know, would be the logic, right? Because CN Tower is such a big deal in the 70s. Well, because it's always in the background too. And you're like, oh, he's going to get, he's going to climb the CN Tower at some <laughs> point. And then they just never really do that. I mean... It's possible I – now, yeah, the DVD I, – I would like to watch this Blu-ray because, like you said, it is remastered uh, from, like, a 35-millimeter film print. Uh, that's kind of the only special feature – that's the only thing about it. I don't think there's any special features. No, there's but no the special DVD features on I it. watched at one point was uh, a really, really crappy one, the one we rented at the store. It honestly looks like somebody's filmed their TV screen off of like a VHS or something. Mm -hmm. It looks terrible. So, and I think the version I watched was also cut by a few minutes, whereas this new release is like the uncut version. Mm. I mean, it's not violence or anything. It's probably just talking. No, that's the (laughs) thing. And it's not like you're missing anything. Mm -hmm. So, 
Um, but I don't know. This is like this is a good time if you want some real cheese. Like this is bottom of the barrel King Kong ripoff stuff. Uh, it follows the plot pretty like to by the book to uh, King Kong, and but I don't know. The guy who plays the Yeti is hilarious to me. Because you get to see his hilarious. face the entire time. Oh, the whole entire time. And he yells and shrieks, but it's clearly <laughs> like been redubbed after. So it's like even shriekier. It doesn't really fit him. And there's a great like lassie dog in it that barks at this Yeti like the entire movie, which is hilarious. It's just like this dog just keeps coming out of nowhere and barking at this Yeti. So I would definitely recommend that one. And I would also recommend the next one, Hallucinations, which is a Polonia Brothers joint. Yeah, we talk so much about the Polonia Brothers on here. And that's because uh, Sub Rosa Entertainment keeps releasing their early films. This is one of their earliest, as because they released like Mansion of the Damned or something like that a few weeks ago. Church of the Damned, right? I think. Church of the Damned. There's no church in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and now we have hallucinations which was a movie that they made concurrently with uh church of the dam and their other film splatter farm and this is like 52 minutes long and it's just beautiful it's essentially like meshes of the afternoon if it was made by like you know some skinny 16 year olds who don't have any other friends except for their twin brother and one other dude (laughs) Uh, like at one point somebody poops out a machete or a butcher knife that and they reuse that footage in splatter farm they fight like a little fetus doll that keeps pissing on them at one point one of the kids is like oh you killed my cat and then the doll pisses in his face it's just like it makes no sense and it's beautiful it's it's outsider art that's what it is that's it sounds real avant-garde to me you're selling me on this hard right now i like the meshes of the afternoon it's very cheap too it's like 12.95 on dvd oh yeah they all these uh sub rosa dvds are like that the commentary is really funny it's the uh one uh brother that's still around being like what were we thinking it's really weird i don't know if anybody can explain this to me <laughs> that's the best kind of commentary you know where the creators befuddled by what we also created. have gemini this is a shinya sukamoto film that was not included on the big box set that arrow put out because mondo macabro has its mitts on it i know and on that note we just got word this week that that shinya sukamoto set is going out of print or might already really? be out of print so what do you still have copies of base Video? We don't know, and I'm very upset oh, no. because I, I I was totally gonna buy this set too, and I'm like, <laughs> ah, I'm gonna wait. Like, were you? This is like the seventh box I know, set that I you're know. like, I'll get it. <laughs> Flashback to like three weeks ago, where I was like, ah, I should have got that Al Adamson set, you know? Uh, no, but this one, like, I actually love Shinya Sukamoto, but oh, we might be that get- camera set. <laughs> I know, I know, right? We might be getting more. We're still hoping to get more. It's not uh, like a fit. Like there are still copies out there. Like I think you know the. Um, you know, the jerks at Amazon still have copies. So it's still floating around out there. Uh, so, yeah, if you want them, try and, like, give us a call, put your name down. But they might not last much longer. Yeah, Gemini is one that he made in the 90s. It's an adaptation of, I think it's Edgar Rampo, right? The uh, famous Japanese author. Uh, yeah. It's based on one of his stories. And it's really fun. It's very slick. It has all that Shinichi Komodo style. And the Mondo Macabro Blu-ray also has the documentary on the film that Takashi Miike shot. Right. Yeah, I got to watch this one. This is one I haven't seen from him, actually, and I've always had it on the watch list. And we also have Eureka, the complete series. Now, this is a TV series I have not thought about it since it played and I never watched it. (laughs) Yeah, there seems to be a there's definitely a cult audience for this. I always see this DVD in the bargain bin at Bay Street Video. It's like Eureka season four. Oh, did we? have? Oh, you're right. We did have this in the bargain (laughs) bin. (laughs) But you know what? Now it's on Blu-ray. I feel like it's probably still there. (laughs) It's probably still there. But you know what? Now it's on Blu-ray, so you can watch it in high def. Uh, But you know, the people who like the show really like the show. It's like definitely got a cult following. Um, And I don't know. I mean, Mill Creek's just kind of put it out bare bones like they usually do but it's all in one set one like compact set now so you know we we also have two more andy sedaris movies day of the warrior and return to savage beach yeah this is the the obligatory andy sedaris mention yeah (laughs) yeah we don't have hammer horror movies we've got some andy sedaris films we got to talk about yeah i don't really have anything to say about uh so let's move on to the classic section we got tony a genre noir film genre noir people know who he is rules of the game you need to complete your connection 
collection. Pick up Tony, I guess. Never heard about this one. Yeah, it's one of his lesser known films, but, you know, still been selling well. You know, the genre noir name just sell moves copies. That's for sure. We also have L'Innocent, a Visconti movie, a filmmaker I do not have that much familiarity with. The only one of his films I think I've seen is The Leopard. And yeah, and I thought it looked really, really beautiful. Um, Honestly, don't remember much about the story, though, (laughs) I think. Yeah, uh, Burt Lancaster, dubbed by somebody else in the uh, most commonly watched version because it's an Italian. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's such a gorgeous film, but I feel like also you need to know a lot about Italian history to uh, know about that. But I, yeah, Linocente, I think I know is definitely one of his more popular ones. Uh, I think that's it, right? Linocente. Isn't it Lina Sant? Isn't, is it, is, isn't it Italian? Isn't it Italian Linocente? No? Maybe. I mean, Lina Sant is I'm putting on my tacky French. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm turning on my tackiest italian accent right now mamma mia (laughs) yeah (laughs) but you know people have been wanting this one on blu-ray for a while visconti stuff always does i think we talked about visconti i guess he's kind of like um who are those filmmakers that are like the most pretentious ones you can think of uh daniel day lewis is in all of his their movies they defined art 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 cinema what paul thomas anderson (laughs) no 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 sick bird oh i know (laughs) no i can't think of it it's marble why am i thinking of marble it's like two names uh Who who directed my beautiful laundrette? Uh, Frears, Stephen Frears. No, okay, then it's not that one. <laughs> People are listening and they're like, "Merchant Ivory, Merchant Ivory." That's what right, I was thinking. Right, Merchant of. Ivory. <laughs> there we go. Come we on, got. You should have known when I said the most pretentious filmmakers. I, I don't the... know. It was like Daniel Day Lewis. I don't know. <laughs> he started a whole bunch of Merchant Ivory films, didn't he? With like Helena Bohm Carter. I think he was just in Room with a View, wasn't he? Oh, uh, okay. That's I maybe think he's the just one in one of. Merchant Ivory film, but <laughs> I, I don't know. They were best friends. Yeah. You... I I guess I was wrong. Uh, yeah, no. But yeah, I would say that's probably a, com- a c- good comparison to make. Um, but yeah, I don't know what it is. There's definitely an older, bougie crowd that just loves Visconti. And we're not judging. We're not judging because we're not that familiar with him. No, so. of course. And like, I again, The Leopard was beautiful. I just don't understand Italian history that much. Um, and I know Rocco and his brothers is also like a really big one. My partner Rocco's really likes that one. modern life. Rocco's modern life. But this is actually his last film, too, that he made, Lino Cento. Mm, I hope it has the same magic as something like Dracula 3D, which I assume will be Dario Argento's last Probably film. Probably not. We also have the city without jews being released by flicker alley yeah this is a long unavailable silent film that people are really excited about i honestly didn't really know about this film until we ordered it in but um it's apparently pretty well known just hasn't really gotten much of a release ever really um but yeah it's a um silent film from um 1924 uh from austria and kind of i guess people like it sort of is a precursor to what happened during World War II, as it's about uh, Jews being expelled from, uh, I think, fictional city of Utopia. Um, don't know much about the director, though, or anything else. I just know they... He didn't put- direct very much other than this. Um, I'm sure there's probably a reason for that, that uh, people who know this better will be like, yes, why do you think he did not direct more? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but Flickr Alley, in their usual style, has put together a really beautiful edition for that. It is pretty expensive like most Flickr Alley releases but this is kind of you know like a definitive this is like kind of a must-have for sort of silent film buffs and we also have another the complete Hal wrote streamliners collection volume four of the musicals thanks classic flicks moving on we also have uh the sign of the cross the i assume the ccb cecil b demille epic or is it a different one it is yes no that is the right one boring um, yeah i don't know <laughs> Do, do we like Cecil B. Oh, DeMille? Oh, man, he was a terrible I, person. No, I really care. And his he movies was. were not that exciting, if I'm going to be 100% honest. Yeah, I mean, this is a big, what, biblical epic, I guess. That I don't know. It's never been on Blu-ray before, so there's a certain crowd that will be very excited for this. Uh, we also have two Douglas Sirk films that he made with Barbara Stanwyck, All I Desire and There's Always Tomorrow. Yes, which were not included in the Barbara Stanwyck collection, which, you know, put Because it... they want you to pay <laughs> extra money. I mean, Douglas Sirk, right, People People love him. Speaking of directors, people love. Yeah, Douglas, sir. We also have Breezy. Uh, speaking of directors that people love, the Clint Eastwood movie where William Holden gets uh, or starts a relationship with a hippy dippy chick. Yeah, cool stuff. <laughs> really 
Clint Eastwood really getting into the counterculture in the 70s. Yeah. Um, I, don't I know. mean, people have say it's like a nuanced take on this kind of story. And I say, I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. People like this. We've been selling a lot of these, although it's a film I always forget Clint Eastwood even directed. I, it's just one of those, like, I always remember the title and I'm like, oh, yeah, Clint Eastwood directed that. But uh, I think, yeah, Kino's gotten into gotten a bunch of early Clint Eastwood stuff with their universal pickup because they're going to be putting out Play Misty for me at some point in the near future and I think some others so look out for those. Oh yeah, they're doing like High Plains Drifter and yeah, other ones along those lines. I like High Plains Drifter a lot. Uh, Speaking of stuff that's more Mark Speed, we have Hollywoodland. This is a mid-2000s prestige film so I feel like this is Mark's bread and butter. Have you ever seen this one, Mark? You, You know me so well. You know, if you if, if you ever need to know anything about mid-2000s films, you know the guy to ask. Um, I have seen this film. Of course I've seen this film. Oh, of course. I also bought it at Roger's DVD probably for $5. And you've never seen it? Used... Oh, no, I had seen it before uh, okay. when I bought it at Roger's DVD. Also, Ben Affleck, Kevin Smith's Ben Affleck in a yeah, big prestige drama is, uh... playing George Reeves, the original serial Superman. Yes, please. And of course... Adrian Brody. And Adrian Brody, who's the real star of the show here. Uh, I mean, this was a kind of, I guess, the film that partly may be credited with kind of bringing Ben Affleck back to respectability. I remember when this came out. After uh, Geely or After Geely and like Daredevil, Paycheck, like all those movies that kind of like were like, yeah, Ben Affleck sucks. Uh, but I think this was his first kind of dramatic role that he got a lot of acclaim for. I mean, he didn't like get an Oscar nomination. I think he might have got a, like a Golden Globe nomination for this. Or I mean, something. this is a movie that everyone's like, yeah, it's pretty mid-link. That's what I remember from it. I'm like, it's fine. It's very brown. <laughs> you know what? I, I really liked it at the time. It's from a director, I think, named Alan Coulter, who does a lot, who did a lot of TV, right? Uh, I guess, because I only looked at his film credits and he did the amazing Remember Me, right. which has the greatest twist of all time. Which I quite enjoy, just for the ridiculousness of the twist. Even though I always think that Robert Pattinson, who stars in that movie, at one point screams, Remember me! I know! (laughs) Right before something (laughs) crashes into something else. (laughs) Oh yeah, Remember Me was one of the most entertaining movies I saw that year, just Uh, for the stupidity of the last 30 seconds. Oh god, the twist is so ridiculous. Anyway, but this movie is a lot better than... but. I can see why people think it's middling. I mean, I quite liked it at the time. I thought it had a cool vibe to it. And I also remember it came at the same time as the Black Dahlia did. And they both had that kind of like L.A. murder, right. L.A. crime yeah, yeah. angle. Now that you say it. And I remember I saw both of them like right back to back. And the Black Dahlia, I know, the Black Dahlia. the Black Dahlia. <laughs> no, that's the thing, right? The Black Dahlia I was way more excited for beforehand because it's De Palma. And <laughs> Brian De Palma is back and he's not doing found footage anymore. Yeah, and then he makes this. But you know what? I kind of liked his found footage movie though. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, redacted. redacted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having hated the Black Dahlia, you know, when I saw Hollywood land soon after, I'm like, you know what? This isn't too bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say rush out and buy this, but you know. Oh, it's Kino. I was going to say, uh, is it a it is manufactured Kino, yeah. on demand one that you have to sell? No, no. no. Okay. This is this is a Kino cla- studio classic right here. Um, <laughs> Put it right uh, beside another steak da- or stakeout. Yeah. Another stakeout and the ice harvest, you know. So we, oh, I love the ice harvest. Underrated movie. So oh, me too. Let's not, me make, too. let's not put it in that company. <laughs> We also have 1978's Ice Castles, which is about a young girl's on top of the world until a tragic accident dashes her hopes and dreams of becoming a world-class figure skater. I feel like this was a big, like, teen girls movie, right? Oh, yeah. This was huge in the 70s, I think. But I don't know. I mean, they even remade it as, like, a straight-to-video movie. Yeah, in in 2010. Yeah, because I remember working uh, at, I think, still still at Rogers Video at the time, and they came in... (laughs) But um, I think, you know, once the cutting edge kind of came out in the 80s, more a lot of people kind of forgot about Ice Castles. It doesn't really do much for us anymore. But, you know, first time on Blu-ray, there's definitely a fan base for this film. It was a huge deal in the 70s. And it's being put out by, oh, Sony. So it's just a... Yeah. yeah. So this is a bare bones MOD. So please buy it so it doesn't end up in the bargain <laughs> bin. And we also got... <sighs> friggin' more editions of Kiki's Delivery Service and Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. How is there another edition of Nausicaa Valley of the Wind? What came out like six months ago? I know. I can't understand. They're putting all of these things on steelbooks now. And even um, we just got announcements for uh, Princess Mononoke, 
which and my neighbor Totoro, which were already out in the collector's editions where you had that big book and everything about a year or two ago. Now they're putting them out again as these steel books. It's like, who is continuing to buy these people? But you know what? We sold out of these like right away, and then we we have more in now. But like, I mean, you know who you know who buys them. You can look at them right in the eye, and you're like, they're probably just either crazy collectors, obsessed collectors, or someone who's just like, oh, this is coming out. I like this movie. I should get it. Because there was also that threat for a long time that they're like, these movies are going to be put back in the Disney vault if you don't get them now. But now they're not even owned by Disney anymore. So no, like, they're not. That's they're why not. they keep coming out. I know. And the thing is, like, I get it. Like, if you have haven't bought this movie before like go for it yeah they're the same price as the regular blu-rays it's not like they're any more expensive but yeah i imagine that people are rebuying these movies over and over again and it's like more power to you if you're that much of a studio ghibli fan but uh i think one one edition is okay for and me. then moving on we have new movies like judd apatow's the king of staten island yeah i uh, i didn't see this did you see this <laughs> <laughs> I did see it. It's fine. It's like very unassuming. Uh, it's that same Judd Apatow feel, just even like slackier because it doesn't really have to be like a big studio comedy, like a train wreck or knocked up or anything like that. So yeah, it's fine. You know what you're getting. Steve Buscemi has a really good role in it. And so does Bill Burr. Oh, I like Bill uh, Burr. Yeah he's, funny. yeah, he's really funny in it. You do? Do you listen to his like hour long podcast that he does by himself? I mean, he- He's definitely, I haven't listened to his podcast now. I mean, his comedy is definitely like borderline yeah. for sure. Um, I always like, he was always like a frequent guest on Conan O'Brien. Though, oh. I don't know if he still is, but he was you always Conan on head? Conan. You watch Conan O'Brien all the time? Oh, love Conan. He's my boy. What happened to Conan? Does he do anything anymore? Yeah, I mean, I can't say, I haven't watched in the last few years because I just don't keep up with him. But you think he's still on TBS? Yeah, he is. I think I, TBS still I think has they may have switched to weekly, didn't they? Like they're not daily oh, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be. You used sense. to love I mean, Conan. I you I followed can't... that fight for late night, and then when he moved, oh, you dropped him like yeah. a hot potato. No, I I stuck with him to TBS. Honestly, I was I was all the way. Um, probably I think I only stopped watching religiously. Uh, because when did that whole thing happen? Like to mid two thousands, late. At what point does somebody like that have to be taken out to pasture? Like, they're like, this is enough. Like, for Conan? Uh, yeah. I don't know. He's I mean, been on the air for 24, 25 years at this point. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, look, I don't watch the show as much anymore because, yeah, I obviously didn't even know it was Are on there weekly. Clips? I don't even see clips online anymore. Yeah, but he does a lot of online segments and he does things like, oh, you right. know, like he Clueless. He has a podcast now. Yeah, and he did, like, Clueless Gamer was a really big segment where he would, like, play video games with somebody, but he, like, hates video games and he was just always, like, so so like snarky about it so he has like really good like segments which i think are created more for web audiences now i think they play on tv but they're banking on more of his like web presence so i watch more of his stuff on there from time to time but um i don't know i still think he's really funny never watched any of the late shows so i have no affinity for any of them yeah couldn't stay up yeah that's the only one i really did we also have uh the trip to greece another steve coogan rob bryden joint yeah, I uh, haven't seen this one yet. I've seen the three before this, and I really like these movies. I mean, they're a lot of fun. Um, I think they're kind of diminishing returns. Like, I like the first one. Yeah, this is like the seventh one, this I is think, the fourth at this one, point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I feel like they've gotten a little less good with each one, but they're still funny. I mean, I just like watching those two guys, so I'll definitely check this out. Um, I had the best experience seeing the first trip at the tiff way back when oh i knew you I were know. gonna say at uh, tiff. Yeah. and you're like steve coogan and rob ryan and they were, were there. there and they literally like the movie ended and they brought him up for a q a and they just kind of like continued their comedy routine for like half an hour on yeah, stage just riffing. they're so funny um so yeah i really like those guys and uh i haven't seen this one yet but i'm sure it's kind of you know if you like these movies you're gonna like this one we also have ava another film about a black ops assassin and this one stars not ron howard's daughter jessica the other chastain woman. <laughs> yeah i know jessica chastain this is like i don't know why hollywood got like oh i know black widow was supposed yeah. to come out around this time well, you know what that's why black ops uh women-led theater happened. yeah i don't know where like where this movie came from because i mean i'm sh- assume this was supposed to come out theatrically uh, because from the mind of tate taylor the director of the help and mama i mean I assume this was supposed to come out theatrically and then COVID kind of put the, you know, put the kibosh on that. But I didn't even know this was being made. But like the cast also, it also has Colin Farrell, John Malkovich, Common, Gina Davis is in this. 
Joan Chen. Like, it's got a cast of, like, pretty famous faces, uh, but it just kind of, like, dropped on VOD and DVD. So And it's gotten terrible reviews. It's supposed to be pretty bad, but I assume this should have been in theaters and then just wasn't. We also have The Burnt Orange Heresy, which I saw at TIFF because it's written, it's an adaptation of a Charles Williford novel, the guy who wrote Miami Blues and like a whole bunch of really uh, cracked out crime kind of slice of life novels. And this movie is about like an art forger and him getting like wrapped up in a situation that's a little bit out of his control. The novel's better than the movie because the movie, uh, I mean, it ends in a really dark place and the movie kind of feels like, okay, that's it. All right. Well, the novel, you get more of like an internal life of the character, but it's nice to see one of his um, work being adapted because his um, novels were famously considered like unadaptable because Cockfighter is also an adaptation of one of his books. Oh, okay. That's cool. How's uh, how's Mick Jagger in this one? Uh, very brief. He just plays like a rich kind of art collector that shows up um, here or there. Supposedly Mick Jagger really wants to make movies. I was listening to like a podcast that like another screenwriter was saying that he worked with Mick Jagger because Mick Jagger had a movie called Tabloid that was like a take before Nightcrawler came out and he never got a chance to make it. I mean, if you're Mick Jagger, aren't you just rich enough you can just do whatever you want? If you want to make a movie, you just go and yeah. make it. Like, <laughs> That's what I would figure, yeah. I feel like he could show up into like any studio anywhere and just be like, I want to make a movie or I want to be in a movie. And they'll just be like, sure, Mick. Well, it sounds like that is not I the case. I guess not. Even Mick can't get respect these days. <laughs> we also have A Good Woman is Hard to Find. Uh, this is being released by Film Movement. I remember seeing a bunch of ads when it was playing film festivals and stuff like that. And yeah, uh, this one's supposed to be fun. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, I hear really good things about Sarah Bolger in this, who plays the lead. I guess it's kind of like a revenge thriller type thing. Kind of the same sort of thing you've seen before, but it's been getting pretty good reviews. Um and yeah, mostly praise for Sarah Bolger's uh, performance. And I know like she hasn't really I feel like with her, she's been in a lot of like bad, bad movies. So it's nice to see her in something good. I really liked her in this horror in that horror movie from like five years ago or so. Emily, did you ever see that? Where she plays like an evil no, babysitter. That... It's really fun, actually. <laughs> no, I have not heard. I don't know who Sarah Bolger yeah, is. Yeah, she's kind of like an up-and-coming actress, but she's just been in a lot of movies that haven't really... You know, she was in like the Spiderwick Chronicles mm -hmm. and then like... Oh, yeah. I saw Spiderwick yeah, Chronicles. and then the Lazarus... And then a bunch of bad horror movies like The Lazarus Effect and uh, like The Moth okay. Diaries and stuff like that. She never really broke out that much, but... Whoa, whoa not to be confused with the Mossman Diaries, which uh, is great. <laughs> right? No, wait. Mossman probably prophecy no, yeah, yeah good not movie. as good as that for sure and people think we're being sarcastic we're not no i love the mothman prophecies we also have castle in the ground after the untimely death of a mother a grieving teen befriends his charismatic but troubled neighbor only to become ensnared in a world of addiction and uh-oh that sounds like a canadian film woo, 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 canadian i think film. it is <laughs> it is it is right yeah this is i looked and i saw uh, somebody that worked at the canadian screen awards logged it in their letterbox so right. that automatically i'm a canadian and i looked at the other film this guy uh, made, I believe it's a guy, was um, a film that starred Tatiana Maslany. So, oh, Canadian. There you right. go. Yeah, Joey Klein. Yeah, I forgot that this was this guy. Because you look at it, it's got a bunch of American or British actors in it. Like Imogen Poots is in this and like Alex Wolfe. Um, although Nev Campbell's in it. She's Canadian, right? Well, I don't she's know. Is she? Pretty sure she's good. I think Nev Campbell's Canadian, actually. I mean, if anybody knew that, it would be you, Mark. Yes, she is. She's from Guelph, Ontario. How about that? Um, but yeah, this is another movie about the opioid crisis. I think there's been like a bunch of indie films about this recently. It's like the opioid crisis is like the hot thing to make indie movies. I mean, about it's now. something that's actually going on and is a big problem that nobody talks about. So, yeah, as opposed to World War II, which people will not yeah. stop making movies which... about. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I have a. I'm gonna guess this is probably a little middling and was mostly funded by Telefilm. Probably, yeah. The reviews are kind of middling. I mean, there was a really good opioid crisis indie movie that I think we talked about on here back in like February or so, um, called Inherit the Viper. I don't know the Josh Hartnett oh, movie. Oh yeah, it came up. Yep, yep, yep. You know that one was actually surprisingly good. So you know maybe this is kind of like that. So we also have Coma, a young talented architect. 
uh, has an accident and goes to an odd dystopian world of coma patients. And oh no, a Russian big uh, blockbuster Russian science sci-fi. fiction movie. How is there one every week? <laughs> like I know there are so many. Russia makes a lot of sci-fi movies. I'm quickly finding. Yeah, because they can't do um, anything so this... modern day that deals with the horrible political situation that they have there right now. Hey, exactly right. <laughs> I think this is from a first-time director, but I think he's like an effects guy in Russia, no, and I think he worked the, on the Kiss of Death. <laughs> yeah, I think he worked on that Guardians movie too, oh, okay. like that Guardians of the yeah, and like other stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Russian sci-fi. So yep, moving take on that for what it is. We have the Flash season six. The Flash, I show I, I watch pretty religiously when it was early on, and then I just dropped off. And I think I gave up around season three. So. Yeah, if you like this kind of stuff, you'll like it. I mean, it keeps going. We also have 12 Monkeys. Yeah, it <laughs> uh, Wow, released by Mill Creek. Uh-oh. <laughs> the complete series. I hear the show is good, Yeah, though. I heard good things about this, too. We had been getting this in as, like, individual seasons when it was first coming out, but now it's, like, it was never available in a complete set until now. I know there is a cult following behind this series. I mean, I really like the movie, and I just never really thought about checking out the show i don't know how it expands why would you watch a series based on that movie i hear it's completely different like it goes in a bunch of really weird directions can you imagine like the last episode of just like it's just the ending of the movie you're like i waited this long for this (laughs) it's just like a three season expansion of the movie the worst uh which is just an expansion of la jete we have a dispatches from elsewhere season one i have no idea what this is (laughs) um this is So this is a weird – I haven't seen this, obviously, because I don't watch TV, but this is a weird show. You've been cursed, not allowed to watch television. Right. So, yeah, this is a strange-looking sci-fi kind of show with Jason Segel that Jason Segel actually created. So it's – and he stars in it. I haven't heard of that guy for a long time. Yeah, I know, right? Where's he been? It also stars Andre Benjamin and Richard E. Grant, Sally Field. And yeah, it's basically four ordinary people stumble across a puzzle hiding just beyond the veil of everyday life, and their eyes are open to a world of possibility and magic. So it sounds like, I don't know, Now You See Me or something? Yeah. Sure. Oh man, I hope so. <laughs> Love Now You See Me too. Apparently it's based on a video game though or something from what <laughs> I'm hearing. It's based on like an no, interactive no, game th- or something? Yeah, it's based on a real life like uh, interactive, whatever it's called, like IRL. Oh, like. okay. So it's not, it's something different. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not up on the, the lingo. Well, I mean, you'll be checking this out, right? Because you're a Jason Siegel completist. Obviously, obviously. Yeah, Jason Siegel really is somebody I don't think about at all anymore. Yeah, Because well, he's not doing he's, anything. He's not doing anything, I feel like. He took like. all of that how I met your mother money and ran off. Uh, I mean, he doesn't never has to work again, so. So we also have uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, the miniseries that played last year. And I hear is very good. Yeah, this looked like fun. I never, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you were a huge Are You Afraid of the Dark fan oh, yeah. as a kid. Of I, course. I certainly was. The more serious Goosebumps. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so I was kind of intrigued that they were rebooting it. Um, haven't seen this, but yeah. From it's, the- a, it's very weird that it's just like one long story over three episodes yeah. and it has to do with just like a circus, which I don't find a very exciting premise. No. Uh, but I hear it's fun. Like if it was like werewolves and vampires or I guess you can't really do like what the Goosebumps movie did, right? Which is like all these creatures and stuff. So I wonder if it's the same sort of structure, though. It must be the same sort of structure where it's like the Midnight Society and everything. and they're... Yeah, but it's the Midnight Society are involved in what's going uh, on. So Like they yeah. get caught up. Yeah. So I guess it is kind of taking a page from that Goosebumps thing where it's like. Well, there were some episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark where it was the Midnight Society was telling stories that happened to oh, them. Oh, yeah, for sure. So yeah. <laughs> You know what? If Tis the season. Every... Maybe you'll put it I know, on right? as like, a, maybe this is Everything good. Everything old is new again. And so it was inevitable that Are You Afraid of the Dark was going to be re. We also have uh, Washington, a miniseries from Lionsgate. Uh, this is notable from it's directed by Ro- Roel René. One of my, uh, you know, I say favorite, even though his movies are just, they're, they're fine. But he's like if Robert Rodriguez, like, actually stuck to his guns and just made low-budget movies all the time and shot them in, like, 20 days. He's super energetic. He's his own cinematographer. Uh, he does commentaries on all of the DTV action films that he makes. So, like, um, what was the John Cena film that Rennie Harlan oh, the, made? Uh, Marine or... Oh, no, 12, uh, 12 something. 12 rounds. Or... 12 rounds. 
he did like sequels to those movies and there's commentaries on it with him where he explains how he made the movies and he directed this Washington yeah, I film, forgot that that which would be him. the only reason I would check it out. Maybe. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> it's like a, it's a history channel show. So I feel like that's the kind of production value you're going to get. Um, but yeah, he's an interesting director. I totally did not know that he directed. I think, yeah, I, I just saw his name when I was looking uh, through Letterboxd. I was like, Ooh. No, you're right. He directed half of them. So it's, I guess it's six episodes and it's him and another guy named Matthew Ginsburg. So we also had the Tobacconist, um, which is Vienna, 1937, on the eve of the annexation of Austria to Nazi Germany. The young and experienced. No, it's a World War II film. World War II. <laughs> Your favorite. Uh, no. Can we go one week? Can we go one week? World War II one week. I would say I don't think that's ever happened. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. People seem to people seem to like this movie. Uh, I know it played a little bit. I think in theaters before everything shut down, and it was kind of Wait like a minute. A I'm reading the pleasing. synopsis, and it's like a young boy makes best friends with Sigmund Freud. Right. That's what the and it's Sigmund Freud is played by the late great Bruno Gans too. That's why people. Oh, yeah. is it? So it's like what was the movie where like it's a young kid like befriends like Walter Matthau is playing. Oh, Albert that's Einstein. IQ, right? <laughs> with tim robbins and meg ryan so we also we have who killed cock robin which is not the classic animated cartoon this is about an ambitious journalist who witnessed a hit and run years ago reboots his investigation led by newly emerged clues i don't know sounds interesting it's from this company cheng cheng which we've talked about and releasing a lot of interesting sort of like taiwanese and mainland china stuff there's a lot of quotes on the cover of this talking about how it's like Brian De Palma. Yeah, it's like referencing like stylists like De Palma or Giallo stuff. So I feel like this has a pretty interesting vibe to we it. We also have a documentary, uh, Gordon Lightfoot, If You Could Read My Mind. This is right up Mark's Yeah, family, right, Mark? I mean, aren't you a huge Gordon Lightfoot fan? <laughs> no? No? Canadian. Canadian Isn't the, Gordon Lightfoot's Canadian. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. So you have to. Couldn't name you one song that he sang. If You Could Read My Mind. <laughs> How does it go, Mark? Sing it to me. If you could read my... Is that the, is that his song? <laughs> I don't know. Or am I thinking of a different song? That's his song, right? If you could read my mind. You keep asking me. I'm going yeah, to give you his. negative because I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> what a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old time movie, you know? It's just the song you hear in the grocery store all oh, the time. Oh, yeah. Gordon Lightfoot is... Uh, that's what I associate with him, like, grocery store... We could build a parking lot. Wait, who sings that yeah. song? That's like <laughs> yeah, a, that's like a grocery that. store song. Cave Paradise. Yeah. <laughs> every every single time uh, I would work. We also have The Hottest August, which is a documentary about supposedly like middle class people going to the beach and trying to ignore global warming. Hey, now, no, I've seen this movie. This is I really, know you have. This the is second really I good. saw it, I was like, Mark's definitely seen this. Yeah. No, this is a really excellent film. I saw it at Hot Docs uh, last year, and it's from a Canadian director, actually, Brett Story, and she made a film a few years back called The uh, the Prison in 12 Landscapes, which is a really, really awesome documentary, if you have a chance of seeing that, just about the prison system and how it's like basically completely screwing up America and the world. But this movie is, yeah, also, so she's a Canadian filmmaker, but she makes her movies in the States. And it's kind of interesting. She has that, like, sort of, like, outsider perspective to, like, what's going on in the States. So this one is very much, I think it's inspired by um, that film Chronicle of a Summer, where they, like, interview people in france just in the park just about <laughs> yes. like things whatever episode on. we talked about it that's the one where we were confused for like five minutes about what the name of the documentary was <laughs> which we seem to do every episode exactly so this is kind of like a modern update of that sort of thing where she just goes around interviewing people in new york city uh in august in the august i think it was august of 2017 or something it was like right after trump got elected and basically just talks to a whole the whole gamut of people about what they think about politics, what they think about the world, global warming, just about anything. Um, and it's really fascinating. It's really great interviews, really great perspectives from people. It kind of it kind of meanders, but in a in a cool way. And it's beautiful. Really great perspectives from people. Well, I mean, she does she does talk to some like you know more right wing leaning people. But the thing is, she doesn't talk to. It's not like she's talking to like neo Nazis or anything. She talks to a lot of like boomers, I guess, that definitely have typically boomerish kind of opinions about things but uh what about the national debt exactly right but she edits it together in a way that's really fascinating it all flows together really nicely and it looks beautiful her both of her films that i've seen look 
incredible too. She's got a really good cinematographer. Um, so yeah, I would say highly, I would recommend this. It's really cool. We also have Deep Blue Sea Part 3 coming out. Uh, I heard the second one not so hot. This one, more fun. Yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't get around to it. I love shark movies, but I really hated the second Deep Blue Sea. So when this was coming out. Yeah, that's what I heard. Is that the second one like really, and the second one is basically like a remake of the first yeah, one, it's, but like it's shittier. It's a total snoozer, the second one. It's just, yeah, it's basically a remake with like the cheapest CGI looking sharks i mean you'd expect it to be cheap but like they're even cheaper than you would think not that cheap yeah and then it's like a cast of nobodies who are all boring but you're right i've I've heard actually some pretty fun things about this third one i think uh they've maybe i don't know tried to let sort of uh loosen up a little bit and trying to make it a little more fun because deep blue c2 was just really like serious and boring so. so we also have gates of darkness and this is just a shitty dtv film from the auteur behind the two david hasselhoff anaconda films actually no hasselhoff was only one but there were two sequels and this guy directed the other one and a bunch of shitty forgettable steven seagal films the ultimate mark of quality did you watch this mark don't tell me you watched this i i did not watch this I don't know. This looks even too bad for me, honestly. But I did watch the next movie, though. Uh, One Night in Bangkok, which starred my oh, man, Mark Dacascos. And isn't this from the director of Ballistic, X vs. Sever? Is that? Oh, yeah. yeah Chaos. Chaos. Uh, is um, it good? He and Mark Dacascos have, like, I guess become besties because they've done, like, a whole bunch of films together. They made a zombie film called The Driver. Uh, maybe the, uh, they did another one. Oh no, King Kasugi was in the other one. Uh, this one is interesting. It's a remake of Collateral, and it is not an action film. There is like one fist fight near the end. It's basically like Mark DeCascos like monologuing in a car with like green screen backgrounds about like uh, fishing is how you can really relax. So I wouldn't recommend it unless you're a big Mark DeCascos fan, which I am. And it's fun to see him like starring in a movie again and actually caring about the material. He produced it and his wife appears in it as well, which he also did as well as his daughter in The Driver. I just wish there were like fun action scenes. And I guess Chaos and Mark DeCascos, they're old. They just don't want to do that anymore. So really, it will disappoint anyone that rents it. That's like, ooh, yeah, remake of Collateral. Yeah, because they're certainly selling it as an action movie by the looks of the cover and everything. So, so we also have uh, Guest of Honor, an ad- a new Adam McGoin film. What is it at the bottom of the new list? Adam oh, wait, that's because it's this week's Blind Buy. Blind People Buy. thought that they were going to get away with it. Woo! Yeah. I have not watched a new Adam McGoin film since Remember. Remember! an actual line from the movie <laughs> i know i quite enjoyed remember you know for as stupid as it was it just now you know. did you enjoy guest of honor uh david thewlis um on the big screen adam going returning to his puzzle box structure i know wow guest of honor so this is actually his first film since remember which i was like is there something he's made since then but no, no there's no way it is it is yeah this is his first film since remember and yeah i I mean, we've talked about Adam McGoyan before, and I know you've talked he about Adam McGoyan before. On he your could listen to this podcast. He comes into the stores. He was, he was in the store the other day. And you know what? I've got a lot of love for Adam McGoyan. And I was kind of liking the trashy stuff he's been making lately, like Remember, like The Captive. If you really want a really good, bad movie, check out The Captive ASAP. So this one, you're right. He goes back to that puzzle box structure. So it's kind of like that sweet hereafter kind of style again. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just, uh, no one can see me, but I'm smiling so wide. Because this film feels like not another Adam McGoyan film. It feels like a parody of his movies. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. I've heard some people say like very generously that it feels like a greatest hits collection. It's like, okay, it's also just kind of like going back to the well in like the most uh, least emotionally compelling way that you can. Like the movie ended and I went, wait is that all there is to it? And I like, I went to the Wikipedia page and I read the like 30 paragraph synopsis and I was like, oh no, I got it. There's just not really anything there. Yeah, you know, so I guess to set it up briefly, I mean, this premiered at TIFF in Venice last year and I, I really wanted to see it, never got around to it at that point and then it just is kind of... <laughs> yeah, all the tickets were sold out, you couldn't get to it. Yeah, all sold out, yeah. And then it's just kind of being dumped out now by Kino, actually. They've picked wow, this Kino. one up. Kino? Um, <laughs> Kino's putting this out, yeah. So, yeah, basically, it's 
David Thewlis is kind of the star of this. Great actor. Uh, he plays a food inspector in Toronto and Hamilton, I guess. It was all filmed in like the Toronto and Hamilton Yeah, there's area. a mall in it that I actually recognize that I've been to. Yeah. So he has a, so he's a food inspector, a very particular food inspector, which leads to a lot of whimsical scenes of him in restaurants <laughs> testing food and everything, I, I guess. I guess, yeah. And, and there's also like... Uh, his wife passed away, and he loves watching her videos of her. Uh, Adam McGoin touch. <laughs> you could almost call it some family viewing. I know. You know, I really like his early like video exploration I stuff. I was but... confused about this film because it seems to have a 13-year jump in it. So is it taking place in the future? <laughs> because in the uh, scenes 13 years ago, uh, David Sulis is just using an iPhone. I know, right? This movie jumps around in time so much. To the point where, yeah, you're at a certain point, you're like, I don't know where any of this movie is taking place. And especially because David Thewlis kind of looks the same in like no matter what time period it is. So basically, it's like David Thewlis's daughter is in prison and we don't know why she's in prison. And the reason why she's there, that's like the big reveal of the movie. And it's so coincidental. <laughs> and essentially, it's the reveal of like in uh, Unfriended that all of this is happening because somebody pooped their pants. <laughs> like that's not what actually happens in uh, Guest of Honor. <laughs> yeah. But it's like on that level. That's why I had to be like, did I miss something? Like, is that all that it was? Yeah. And it has, I think, the funniest shot of any movie I've seen in the last five years. Like, I laughed out loud when it happened. Really? And that shot is not mentioned in the Wikipedia. Yes, you did not laugh at David Thewlis, like, um, transporting off of screen. <laughs> and then it just goes to credits. <laughs> just I mean, fading away, like Poochie going back to his home planet. Well, he fades away into the mirror, right? And then he fades away? <laughs> Uh, yeah, kind of, but he's just fading away. He fades so away. it's like, I must now return to my home planet, dude. Because that style doesn't appear anywhere else in the movie. So it's like literally like, whoa. I kind of wish it had more of that style, to be honest. I, yeah, I, I wish it was weirder. It's not weird yeah, enough. Yeah, you know, I really miss his, like, I. Like, Exotica is weird. Like, it feels almost Gilliam-esque. Yeah. yeah, he used to make really weird puzzle box movies like this that were really interesting. And then had, like, a gut punch at the end of them. Like, yeah. Exotica has, like, a crazy gut punch. And this has got nothing. It's like, I pooped my pants. Yeah, <laughs> or, I know. Sorry, I think I pooped my pants, <laughs> but I guess I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, it's really weird. I don't even really know what this movie's about at the end of the day. I'm not even really sure what he's trying yeah, to I say I with this. I think like what, the... it, what it's, I had the same thought. I had the same conversation with someone where I was like, is what the film is trying to say at the end is accept the things that you got wrong and accept that you got them wrong to go on with your life? I think so. Like, that's all I kind of took from it. And it almost says like, if you've done bad things, you know, you've been punished enough and you can keep going. Yeah. Is this like, a ceases coming from Magorian himself? I don't know. Yeah, there just seems to be no real resolution with anybody's problems. Yeah, everybody's it just kind of like, like there's missing a third act. Yeah, like a, a weird turn that's supposed to happen. Well, I think he kind of like blows his load a little too early with the whole like why she's in prison thing. Like I, I know there's like more twists and turns, but like you, you kind of find out early, like okay, why she's in prison, and obviously there's more to it. But then at that point, you're like, oh, okay, that's that's. Weird. But those disparate elements don't add up to anything. No. It's like there's a bus driver. He doesn't really matter. And it's confusing to the point that like, it's not like you're engaged and then you learn more context and information you already know. You're just lost most of the time. And you're like, why am I well, seeing this? Well, it's like he this? keeps going on tangents, right? Like he'll go, like, we'll follow David Thewlis for a while and then we'll go to his daughter who's in prison and then we'll go to the past when she's not in prison and it's kind of the lead up to how she gets into prison. And yeah, there's this whole subplot with this bus driver played by uh, Rossi Sutherland, who's one of the, one of the Sutherland clans. And <laughs> oh, is he? He is. Yeah, he is. I did not know that. Yeah. And it's uh, the whole bus driver thing just feels like kind of a callback to the sweet hereafter too, and I don't know if that's like, you know, intended or not. Like why? Why does he just do something weird? Yeah, it's you're right though. It is like he's trying to get people to remember his like best movies. Remember. <laughs> remember, <laughs> remember my best. It's like he's Christopher Plummer shouting, "Remember my best movies." I want a movie about him making this movie. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know what? Like, I will say I was kind of like, I was engaged with this for the first 
half hour to 45 minutes or so. I was actually like into Me it. Me too. I was like, ooh, where's this going? Like, why is she in jail? Yeah, like, exactly. No. And I think there is something to be said for his style. Like, I know he's kind of, a lot of people kind of consider him a joke nowadays, but like, I think he's got like a really distinctive style still. Like, I still like the way he shoots his movies and like, there's like a vibe to it that, that I kind of like. But yeah, I just got more and more confused and then just like disengaged as it was kind of coming to its conclusion like i did want to know like when they're going they're giving you the whole subplot about the bus driver and david thulis's daughter and what's going on there and this inappropriate relationship she may or may not have had with a student because she's a teacher and i'm like i was really into that and then i just feel like they just don't there's no like there's no payoff really for that. Like someone kills himself, but it's someone you barely know for like reasons. Yeah. yeah and then they go back. Yeah. When they're showing that stuff, you're like, for, for a second, I thought it was like the kid, the student for a second. I'm like, no, wait a sec. That's not him at all. He looks like him, but it's not like him. So would you recommend this as a blind buy? I give it negative. Yeah. I mean, I, I love I love you, Adam. I love you. I love you. <laughs> you think he's listening right now? <laughs> I know, Adam. I know you're listening right now. And I, I do love Listen, you. Listen, I own the um, uh, box set that was put out with all of his original films. What company put that out? That's a great set. I have that too. Uh, and, I uh, hope you have that because... I do. Adam McGoyan... Uh, not you specifically, Mark. I was speaking to the general audience. You're like, I do, Justin. I do. Oh, I, well, I do. Okay. Because <laughs> you know he went back and he made all of his movies orange, right? Mm, I heard about that. Yeah, he went in like teal, blue and teal them up. And you can find like comparisons on the internet to like the remasters. He completely changed the color scheme so they look more like a Michael Bay movie. That's weird. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like Adam Egoy and like... He used to be, when he first came on the scene, he was like an edgy director, you know? Yeah, like he but now was, he's a grandpa. He's like Now he's kind of a grandpa. He's into like classical music. and Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just like, there's a very... There's, <laughs> he's into classical music. He doesn't like punk anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. He directs operas and stuff now, I think, oh, in his spare he? time. Oh, yeah, yeah. da-dee-da. He walks around with like a monocle in. <laughs> oh, and then there's the obligatory Arsene Kanjian performance, too, which she yeah, always shows Yeah, she's in this up. as well. Who's good? Like, I don't mind her necessarily it's just like it's what's all... weird about this movie i know people are listening and is like they keep talking about this i'm, I'm not gonna watch yeah, it like, they're what not recommending movie? it <laughs> at one point like david sulis gives this big speech i'm like what where is this coming yeah, from like right? it's out of nowhere like and it's kind of played like this comedy moment at first and you're like i, I just don't really i'm not as invested in these characters enough to really like go like i'm i'm kind of invested because david thewlis is like a good actor so i i can go yeah, with it but he's no bruce greenwood he's no bruce greenwood <laughs> that's for sure yeah. but would i blind buy i don't know i mean i you know i thought this would be a good blind buy because i will always watch i'm always gonna watch adam egoyan's movies when they come yeah. out i really i don't wow you're the only person i know who says i'm that. probably the only person who'll say that uh, yeah you're sitting behind the counter and anytime somebody walks in you're like remember remember <laughs> I'm telling you guys, watch The Captain if you want to laugh. Watch, watch that movie. That is some I mean, trash. watch Remember if you want to laugh. Yeah. I, Look at the premise of Remember and go, what are the most obvious twists that this movie could have? Because it's that twist, baby. Oh, it's that twist. And I love how he just like arts. You know what? I, I just love. I've really been liking how he's done these like arted up thr trashy thrillers lately. I've been I've been digging that vibe and it does feel like this conscious decision to move away from like he he took all that criticism and was like, well, fine, I'm going to make like, you know, a real like dramatic, serious movie. That's kind of like what I used to do more. And but then, you know, I say that it seems like he has that kind of thought towards any movie he make. I remember I watched The Captive and there was like a behind the scenes thing with him. And the way he talked about it was like he was making some like really serious art film drama and i think with the same thing with remember it it's like i could see it with my own eyes adam listen it happens david D dario argento syndrome i know right <laughs> it's like these movies are not coming off like you think i'm sure he's a off. very nice man oh yeah i'm sure he's super nice um and you know i i want to see him continue to make movies i just wait did he rent anything when he came into base video i don't know actually i didn't actually help him i just saw him in the store and then <laughs> you're like get out you weren't like i love your movies you know, i was yeah i was gonna bring up our copy of guest of honor for him to sign but then he like <laughs> <laughs> listen to the current bay street video episode we're going to talk about your new film i'm sure i'll love it i watch all of your movies but uh yeah i don't know i just wish he i wish he would just like unshackle himself from his like 
what he thinks people think about him or whatever, and just like make whatever you want, man. And I, I just feel like this one was a little what more. What if he's cal- like, I have been making everything. I that guess I so. Want. You know, I mean, this one just felt a little more calculated to try and remind people of like the mm-hmm. sweet hereafter. I, agree. I feel this was the closest to the sweet hereafter. But I think hasn't he's gotten all of his movies been like the sweet hereafter, though. Isn't that what like Devil's Knot is and the Captain? Devil's Knot's like the word. Devil's Knot's just boring. That one's bad. But like, what if Adam Agorian and Vim Vendors teamed up to make a movie? Oh man, yo, I feel like they're I feel like they're best friends. Honestly, <laughs> I feel like they hang out. They buy the same glasses. <laughs> they must hang out. I get the same kind of vibe from Vin Vendor's movies, though, nowadays, you know? Oh, like, yeah, exactly. Like, lazy, phone yeah, in, I right? need that funding. But this, like, weird kind of, like, arting up, like, standard melodrama. Maybe you know? he just wanted to make another, like, boring melodrama, and Telefilm's like, you gotta give us that classic Agoyan touch, and that's I know, why he made right? this one. And that's why it took four years for this to come out, because he's like... I mean, it looks nice. It's like a nice... It's a handsome production. <laughs> it looks it's nice. It's a handsome production. <laughs> I'll say that. I just think... I think The Sweet Hereafter is, like... That was the most mainstream he ever got, right? Because he got the Oscar. And I think he just, like, he really wants to get back there, I think, to some degree. And Why? You're at the point that you've got it. Just be weird, man. I agree, man. No, I... So, yeah, I don't know. This is definitely one of his weaker efforts, for sure. So, yeah, I wouldn't say blind by. Unless you're an Adam Egoyan, like, lunatic... Like myself, even myself, though, I don't know if I would buy this Okay, one. so that's it for this week's Bay Street video podcast. Any uh, updates, Mark? Same old? Uh, same old, same hours. We are uh, we did up the store, uh, the limit of people in the store to eight now. Uh, so we're let allowing a little more breathing room, but we're still keeping things safe and everything around here. So, yeah, and we will be opening on Sundays again, starting like mid-september oh no you're not gonna have your sundays off anymore well i never work sundays anyway you so never work sundays yeah, yeah. You're, you're you're a monday to friday you get it all right so until next week my name is justin DeGlue. And i'm mark Hansen. keep on buying and keep on renting those adam egoyan movies <laughs> only adam egoyan these movies and many more are available at your local video store